First question on page 67. How or when have you been completely surprised? Or in other words, when was the last time you were completely, absolutely surprised? Someone surprised you and they really caught you. They really caught you off guard. Hmm. Anybody can remember that? A time like that? I know there's over time, but I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but it was overwhelming, right? Whenever it was. It was overwhelming. And a complete surprise is always overwhelming. Uh, you don't expect it, you don't know it's going to happen, and suddenly it happens and it just knocks you off your feet. Sometimes when um, someone drives right in front of you, across you like that, you're mm. taken completely by surprise because you're not thinking they're going to do that and they just come out of the blue. Boop. Yeah. Uh, surprise. Yeah. Watch when you're going on Market Street. Oh, I can believe I'm it. You're on the red light. Right there. For the light change. Get ready to pull off. Somebody need to tell these folks that the streets in the Bahamas is not Indianapolis 500. Right, that, I said that tonight. You know, the other day in the car. it's not the racetrack. It's, the thing this day. it's not the racetrack. <laughs> no. Some of these guys, they drive like it is. Yeah, the Okay, what's the point of our lesson? The, the resurrection of Jesus is a fact you can build your life on. Okay, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a fact. That's the key word there, fact. And it's a fact that we can build our lives on. Okay, let's look at uh, uh, Bible meets life. On page 68. Pain, doubt, and disappointment. We've all struggled with these one time or another. I'm sure we faced those moments when the world just seemed to go dark, when we had no idea what would happen next or what we should do to help the situation. In Luke's Gospel, we read an account of a group of women who felt just such doubt and disappointment. They trudged on to, to what needed to be done in spite of their feelings but they were caught off guard and joyfully surprised by what happened next. Jesus was alive and that changed everything. Jesus is still alive and that's changed everything for us too. In those moments when despair and doubt arise, we can respond with hope and rise up with the risen Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is solidly grounded in fact. In the midst of your pain, doubt and disappointment, this resurrection meets your life in surprising ways. Are you ready to re to discover how? Okay. Okay, let's look at the passages on page 69. Uh, we read in Luke uh, 24, verses 1 to verse 6a. 6a would be the first part of verse 6. So we can read that verse. Someone want to read that? On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb bringing spices. They had they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. 
Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked Ned. He is not here, but he is risen. Okay, let's read the power of God's beneath that. All across the world, any place where Christians gather, Easter is a time of great celebration. But that first Sunday morning after Jesus' crucifixion was anything but a happy moment for his disciples. It was a day of death, doubt, and disappointment. Jesus died a brutal, shameful death as a public spectacular, spectacular, spectacle. spectacle in the Roman culture of the first century. Crucifixion was so hideous that well-to-do Romans wouldn't even mention it in public. The disciple had witnessed Jesus' execution, excruciating. excruciating death, and all they could do was grieve. Jesus died mere hours before the Jewish Sabbath began. When sundown quickly approached, all Jesus' followers could do was to wrap his body and place it in a tomb. When sundown came, darkness filled the night sky, and other kind of darkness filled their mind. Though one day had pinned all their hopes on was death. When the first day of sun on Sunday morning, a group of women, including Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Joanna and Mary and the mother of James, Luke 2410, went to Jesus' tomb with spices to prepare his body for burial. This was a ritual typical, typically carried out by women, which included washing the body and anointing it with oil. They also planned to wrap Jesus' body in strips of men and clothes as a sign of respect. Next page. Despite the plans, the women were in for a big surprise. The tomb was empty. They found no body. Luke described the women as perplexed, meaning they were mentally at a loss and saw no way to a solution. The two men who suddenly appeared explained what the women could not. He is not here, but he has risen. How do we know Jesus is alive? His tomb was empty. People have tried to explain away the resurrection, but we can't explain away an empty tomb. Had Jesus' body been stolen, or if the women had simply gone to the wrong tomb, the idea of resurrection would have been rejected by going to the right tomb or by producing Jesus' dead body. That didn't happen. Similarly, if Luke was trying to invent something that didn't happen, he most likely would have identified some of Jesus' apostles as the first witnesses to the empty tomb. Some of the men. Why? At that time, the women's testimony wasn't valid in court, which made them less than ideal as witnesses. But Luke stuck to the facts. 
Jesus' tomb was empty, and the women were the first witnesses to it. Okay. Interesting, isn't it? That brings us to question number two. What are some ways our culture tries to explain away Jesus' resurrection? What are some of the things you've heard over the years about people trying to explain away the resurrection of Jesus? Really, apart from a little different from what you're asking there, I have one simple question. And that is in the Bible that I found that men as angels are very seldom mentioned in the Bible. Very seldom. Mm -hmm. The only angel that I know as a man is Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Now, who does other man is? <laughs> it's not a joke, it's facts. Mm -hmm. You see, because in many times Gabriel's name is mentioned. Mm -hmm. He's the only angel that I know of that in the Bible that is an angel that is a man. Gabriel. Gabriel. Mm -hmm. Now, I am not trying to make things complicated, but for my own sake, because I know that you are a lovely man, and I know that you probably <laughs> have an insight that I do not. <laughs> who is this other man? Well, the scripture doesn't tell us who he is. We don't know who he is. The scripture doesn't say. And uh, when the scripture doesn't say, we don't guess. All right? Uh, it could have been, uh, you know, we, we don't know. The scripture doesn't say. That's why we believe in faith, right? All right. Um, I'm not disputing anything about the two angels. I'm not disputing that. You know, but... Um, it says two men, two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. Okay, dazzling clothes is an indicator that they were angels. Right. And they were men, but we don't know their names because the scripture doesn't give us their names. All right, obviously uh, there were other angels besides Gabriel who were male. Right, but then again, Gabriel is the messenger of God because that is. Mm -hmm. You'll find that in the Bible that Gabriel mm -hmm. said himself that he is the messenger of God. Mm -hmm. but the, um, these apparently these men were too. <laughs> I'm gonna rest my case. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were too. <laughs> well, let's look at the last two paragraphs, uh, the second and third paragraphs on page seventy. We do know Jesus is alive. His tomb is empty. That's a fact, right? People have tried to explain away the resurrection, but we can't explain away an empty tomb. Had Jesus' body been stolen? Or if the women had simply gone to the wrong tomb, the idea of resurrection would have been rejected by going to the right tomb, or by producing Jesus' body, dead body. That did not happen. Similarly, if Luke was trying to invent something that didn't happen, he most likely would have identified some of Jesus' apostles as the first witnesses to the empty tomb. Some of them, some of the men. Why? At that time, a woman's testimony wasn't valid in court. See how God works? It says God works in mysterious ways, eh? 
The Bible reminds us that his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. God knew that, that, that what the law was. God knew the law. But this is the way of God doing things. Women's testimony was not violent in God. That's quite a complicated whole issue of whether people should believe them or not. Which made them less, of a, less an ideal witnesses. But Luke stick to the facts. Jesus' tomb was empty. And the women were the first witnesses to it. Now, whether people wanted to believe that or not, it was up to them. But many times in those days, women were not, women's words were not believed. Okay, as we continue exploring the story of Easter, we'll find a reminder of why Jesus' followers should not have been surprised at his resurrection. Think they should have been surprised? No, they should not. They should have been. They shouldn't have been, right? Okay, let's read the passage on on uh, page seventy, Luke twenty four six b to verse eight. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, "No, the verse." Who? You said the. Oh yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was looking at six. No, he is not risen. He is, but he, yeah, go ahead. He said seventy. Mm -hmm. It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Yeah, go ahead. The empty tomb should not have been a surprise to these women or to any of Jesus' followers. The angels reminded them that Jesus had repeatedly predicted both his death and his resurrection. Jesus knew the cross was coming. That's another fact recorded multiple times in scripture, which lends further credibility to the historical fact of the resurrection. Look at what else this fact reveals. Jesus' death was no unfortunate accident. Jesus came to earth on a rescue mission of love that began in eternity. Adam and Eve were supposed to be God's image bearers, casting forth the glory of God throughout the earth. When Adam and Eve rebelled against God, sin and death were unleashed. Yet God, who was relentless in his love, launched a rescue mission through a man named Abraham. And through Abraham, the nation of Israel was brought into being. See Genesis 12, 1-3, Galatians 3, 7-9. From Israel came Messiah, the Son of Man, who fulfilled God's promise to rescue and bless the world by reversing the curse of sin. See Romans 5, 12, 21. Jesus died on the cross in our place. Jesus willingly went to the cross. He had no sins of his own to pay for, but he died for our sins. He did this so that we could be eternally forgiven and our sin could be eternally forgotten. As a result, we are eternally declared to be righteous in Christ. See 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Jesus defeated death for us. When God raised Jesus from the dead, death lost his power over us. See Acts 2, 24. Jesus rose from the dead, and so will we. See 2 Corinthians 4, verse 14. Through faith in Jesus, we are eternally united to him. Romans 6, 1-11 Jesus came to earth as the fulfillment of a plan that had literally spanned thousands of years. This was a plan that has covered the breadth of human history and continues to impact the world today. Uh, only God could accomplish such a plan, and he did. Okay, let's look at those verses that they ask us to see. 
Uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 21. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, leading priests, teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And then chapter 17, verse 22 and 23. Someone have that? Now while they were staying in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and the third day he will be raised up. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Okay, Matthew twenty seventeen and to 19. As Jesus was going to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Verse 18, listen, he said, we're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. They will sentence him to die. Verse 19. Then they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Luke 22. Luke 9, 22. saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised the third day. Verse 44, same chapter. Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Okay, now notice what he says in verse 44. He says, Listen to me. Remember what I say. They should have remembered, right? They shouldn't be shouldn't have been surprised at Jesus' death uh, and, and resurrection, should they? Because Jesus told them to remember all the times that he kept repeating himself over and over. And in verse 44, he says, remember, remember what I'm telling you. Okay, why is he, is he saying that? Because the day is going to come when they're going to need to be, oh, look, sorry, sorry, back it down. Okay. The day is going to come when they're going to need to remember what Jesus told them so that they would not be going through all this grief and surprise and mystery. Right? Yeah. But Brother Randy, before you go any further, you better also remember that these things were hidden from them. And they say, like Isaiah, they see, but not see. They hear, but they did not understand. Mm -hmm. Therefore, these things that Jesus has said, he said that to confine what Isaiah had said. But therefore, his disciples, this knowledge was kept away from them until his resurrection. And then their eyes was opened, and then they perceived what he had said. No, but that was only for the fellows on the road to Damascus. Right. That wasn't for these fellows. Right. But then but just remember, it was, only, it was only two on the road to Damascus. Exactly. All right. But in this case, there were a lot more of the disciples he was talking to. And he, he specifically said to them in verse 44 of verse 9 of Luke, he says, listen to me and remember what I say. Right, but all of this. So their their minds were not their, their minds were not blocked at that particular time. But then again, the understanding was not there. <laughs> yeah. 
because you'll find later that they really open their understanding and their eyes into the scriptures. You read further down, you know. But let's look at Luke 18. Turn to Luke chapter 18. It's another passage. Luke 18, reading from verse 31 to 34. Taking the 12 disciples aside, there's all of them now, 12 of them. Jesus said, listen, we're going up to Jerusalem where all the predictions of the prophets concerning the Son of Man will come true. Everything that we had the prophets have been talking about me, that's going to happen. That's what he's saying here. Verse 32. He will be handed over to the Romans and he will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit on. Verse 33. They will flog him with a whip and kill him. But on the third day, he will rise again. Verse 34. Like I said, they didn't understand any of this. The significance of his words was hidden from them. And they failed to grasp what he was talking about. At that particular time, they were in denial. Okay? They were in denial. They didn't want to hear none of this stuff. But also, stop here for a second. Mm -hmm. Their biggest problem there, they did not know what the resurrection was or the third day risen from the grave. They mm -hmm. didn't understand that. They couldn't conceive any of that stuff. Right. Okay? That, that, was, that, that was like a foreign language to them. Right, right. You know, you, Jesus, you're the Messiah, you came to rescue us, and now you're telling us that they, 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 the Romans going to kill you? And then what further compounded them, nobody ever came back from the dead. That was strange language. Raised from the dead? They were mystified. Okay, let's go back to... Uh, here we are now. The, what's the other question? Why? is question number three, right? No, what are some ways our culture tries to explain away Jesus' resurrection? Cliff came up with the question. Oh, we didn't get that question, right? No. <laughs> what are some ways the culture tries to explain away? Okay. Anybody else have an answer to that question? <laughs> question number two. What are some ways our culture tries to explain away Jesus' resurrection? So the majority of them uh, say that he wasn't dead, he was just unconscious. Right? Okay, that brings us to the next question. Question number three. Um, look at the second to the last paragraph on page 70. The empty tomb should not have been a surprise to these women or to any of Jesus' followers. The angels reminded them that Jesus had repeatedly predicted both his death and his resurrection. So over and over again, Jesus continuously told them, he gave them the inside scoop. Uh, he didn't leave them in suspense with regards to his resurrection. I mean, no, look at notice verse 8. Remember his words. Verse 8. Having been prompted by the angels, by, uh, by the angels, the women remembered 
his words. So these women who came to the tomb, they remembered. The rest of the disciples didn't. So verse 8 tells us that they remembered his words. His words were Jesus' prophecies concerning his resurrection. On several occasions, Jesus told his disciples, told his followers that he would suffer and die and be raised from the dead. And we see those passages, uh, those occasions, the passages that we read. Only these women remembered. The rest of those guys, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know what was going on. Next question. Number three. On page 70, what is the significant, why is it significant that Jesus knew in advance what would happen to him? Why was that so significant that he knew in advance what would happen to him? When Isaiah spoke of his, the real and true resurrection of Jesus and his life came from Isaiah. And Isaiah prophesied all these that would happen to him. That even before years, I think it was 400 or some odd years before Christ was born, this was prophesied by Isaiah that the people at that particular time would know the Savior would come to Israel and that mm -hmm. what he should uh, be was born, etc., etc., but would take place and how he would die and how he would raise Israel again. And Isaiah prophesied that from chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 66. Over and over repeatedly in Isaiah, we have mentions of the Messiah, Jesus coming exactly. into the world, over and over again. And Jesus quoted uh, Isaiah in those, those prophecies. So we know that Jesus had a mission, right? Yeah. It is significant that he even knew in advance what would happen to him. First of all, because like God, he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He had to know. You know, God wouldn't send him out into, into the world to, to deliver the world and to redeem the world and not tell him what he was going for. Right? Yeah. I mean, some people do that to people today. But God wouldn't do that. He knew. And throughout his ministry, what he said, I am come that you might have life. That's Jesus' words, right? right? And that you might have it more abundantly. And then over in these passages we saw, he says how he's going to die. Uh, what he came into the world for and what was going to happen to him. But then again, you can stop a little further. Let's go a little further back. Moses, uh, you will see that the beginning of Christ, uh, Moses in the desert made the, the brazen cipher. Mm -hmm. And those who was bitten by the, the, the uh, insects. The poison the snakes, yeah. To come and look at that and they will be, they will be cured. Mm -hmm. This is the very beginning of the cross of Christ. That, that, that was an indicator of Christ coming and, to the world. And Christ himself said, but if you remember the scriptures, you could go back to Moses. So was the serpent of the Yeah, he said, as, as Moses lifted up the brazen serpent on the pole, so was the Son of Man. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Right, so okay. he had Israel at that particular time a Savior to look forward to. Mm -hmm. That's right. Go all the way back there. Okay. Um, we have an activity there on page. Yeah, what's that? Uh, what would you say? Uh, Choose one of the following statements connected with Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Record how you would respond to that statement during a conversation 
with a friend or family member. Okay, you get in the conversation and uh, these things and these questions come up or these statements come up. Jesus was unconscious when they put him in the, in the tomb, but he never actually died. How would you respond to that? What would you say? Well, I think so. When he um, was on the cross, he said it is finished. Okay. <laughs> Any other responses to that, that statement? Well, not only that, the soul is pierced his side and out came the blood. Blood and water. So therefore, you know, if he had any life in him, he would just say he's still here, but he was already dead. He was already dead. Okay. And of course, the Bible says, when they went, they were ordered, the soldiers were ordered to go and break the legs of the men on the cross. And when they came to Jesus, what happened? He was already dead. He was already dead. dead. So they didn't break his leg. And that in itself too is a fulfillment of prophecy. Because the prophecy said, no bone of his body shall be broken. Okay, another prophecy. Okay, okay. I don't think Jesus, next one. I don't think Jesus was an actual person in history. He's just a story. What do you say to that? <laughs> Ignorant, eh? Okay, next one. It was probably Jesus' disciples who made up the story of Jesus rising from the dead. They just couldn't let things go. They just couldn't let him go. Okay, sounds like the PLP. Can't let it go. <laughs> Can't let it go. But what would you say to a statement like that? So the disciples made up the story <coughs> because they were in denial yes. or delusional. Okay, next one. People wanted to believe Jesus was still alive, so they imagined they saw him. <laughs> okay. Thomas. Well, could you start looking to find additional information on the historical accuracy of Jesus' death and resurrection? In the Bible, right? Yeah. Bible says, open repeatedly, Jesus said that he would uh, rise from the dead, that he would, be, he would die, and that he would rise from the dead. Okay, let's look at the other verses on page 71, Luke 24, 36 to 40. As they were saying these things, he himself stood in their midst. He said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Why are you troubled? he asked them. And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and feet. Continue. This is no hallucination. Yes, we can sometimes convince ourselves we see something because we really want to see it. But the disciples were not expected to see Jesus. In fact, they were startled and terrified, just as the women had just as the, just as the women had been earlier. See verse five. They thought they were seeing a ghost. Jesus knew what they were thinking and he offered to relieve their doubts. Look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you can see I have. But further proof was needed. The tomb was empty, 
just as Jesus had said it would be. And now, he stood before them in a physical body, alive and well. Doubt and faith are often commingled in our lives. Sometimes our faith is robust, yet at other times, doubts threaten to derail our walk with God. Still, in every step of our journey, Jesus provides us with grace to trust Him even in the midst of doubt. And, just like He provided His first disciples with proof of His bodily resurrection, He provides us with proof as well. That proof may be a friend whose life was changed or the overwhelming historical evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Either way, the proof of Christ's resurrection brings us peace. History was forever transformed when Jesus rose from the dead early on a Sunday morning. Sin and death were defeated by the conquering king. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in those who trust him. See Romans 8, 9-11. Because Jesus has risen from the grave, his perfect life is now ours through faith in him. Okay, let's look at that, those verses that it tells us to see there. Romans 8, 9 to 11. Romans 8. Yeah, uh, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to them at all. Verse 10, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. Verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ, Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And so that verse talks about life in the Spirit. Now let's look at a couple of main points from the passage we just read. Uh, the first one is, this was no hallucination. Yes, we can sometimes convince ourselves that we see something because we really want to see it. But the disciples were not expecting to see Jesus. Okay, they were not hallucinating. They were not seeing something that wasn't there. Jesus was there, alive and in living color. Okay, and the, the second thing we notice is that doubt and fear are often commingled in our lives. Isn't that true? Yes. We go through our entire lives commingling doubt and fear. Sometimes our faith is robust, yet at other times, doubts threaten to derail our walk with God. And then the third thing is, and just like he provided his first disciples with proof of his bodily resurrection, he provides us with proof as well. And that brings us to question number four. How has Jesus proven himself to you in the past? Faithful. Faithful? Okay. So always faithful. He's never, he never leaves you. He never leaves you. He said that. I, never. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right. Okay. So we know that no matter what happens, 
he continues to prove himself to us in more ways than one. Question number five. What makes the resurrection so important for believers today? We will live again. Hmm? We will live again. The hope that we're going to live again. The hope that there is life beyond the grave. Right? Yeah. So you, take, you take in the, in the scriptures, you'll find that, it's in, and I think it's in St. John's Gospel, he said, those who died in Christ, when he speaks, they will hear his voice into the grave. This is mm -hmm. what, you back it up by looking at St. John's Gospel. Mm -hmm. all about it. Imagine what would happen if there was no resurrection. You'd be like a dog. Boy, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> we'd be in trouble. There, there, there are religions today who don't believe in the resurrection. Miserable people. Notice the final paragraph on page 72. History was never, was forever transformed when Jesus rose from the dead early on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Sin and death were defeated by the conquering king. The same power, notice that same power, power hasn't been diluted. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in those who trust him. And that's what we saw in Romans 8, 9 to 11. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, think about that now. That same power that raised Jesus from the, gra uh, the grave is alive in you and me right now. Right now. That same power. Because Jesus has risen from the grave, his perfect life is now ours. How? Through faith in him. As long as you got faith in Jesus, that power that raised him from the dead. But brethren, the thing that we have to look at here is that we all have faith. But those who have Greater faith to go to a greater height than those who have less faith. Mm -hmm. Because just remember something. When he was raising Lazarus from the grave, he told Martha, Martha said, We'll see him in the resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, the life and the death. Mm -hmm. He that believes in me shall never perish. Nevertheless, he told her, Believe. For the sake of believing that Lazarus will he'll raise Lazarus. Yeah, there are two there are two elements to that faith though. Yes. There's one is, 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 is how much you have, exactly. and the question is where have you put it? Exactly. Remember when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples in the storm, and, you think and, uh, and, and he says, uh, where is your faith? Yeah. He knew they had faith. Yeah. He knew they had it. The question was, exercise. what did they do with it? Right. Where was it? Right. And there are a lot of times when we put our faith in so many other things in life that we, 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 we shift it from where it's supposed to be. That's and that doubt. is in Jesus. That's doubt. Doubt. That's exactly. And that's why it says faith and doubt commingles in the life of believers. Right. Okay. Whenever we, sh we shift our faith, we are in doubt. Right. Hmm? The, the, um, the substance of our faith is place <coughs> has to be rooted and grounded in our, our belief. Mm -hmm. We have to first believe. Uh, that the life of Christ did undoubtedly happen. Mm -hmm. It's true, it's real. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And without our belief, then our faith is not. Yeah, your faith is out the door, out the window. Okay, let's look at the uh, Live It Out, page uh, 
74. As we wrap it up here and see how we can put this entire lesson into perspective with regards to the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. Consider these options for responding to that fact in the week to come. And as Brother Edgecombe just said, believe. If you've never embraced the truth of Christ's resurrection and what it means for your life, do so now. The inside cover of this book will help you. Talk to your group leader about your decision to trust and follow Christ. So if you look at the inside cover of the book, there's some information there for you on this. Study. Read further about the historical evidence that proves the resurrection of Christ. Consider books such as Buried, Hope, or Resurrect, or Buried, Hope, or Risen Savior by Charles L. Carls, or The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. A lot of people are familiar with Lee Strobel, right? And then share. Third one. Ask God each day, every single day, to provide opportunities for you to share your faith with someone who has yet to believe in Christ.